Welcome to the Victory Family Worship Center podcast. If you have any questions, you can email us at thevictory.tv at gmail.com. If you got your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. I'm, we're um, going to dive right into this. Got lots of information to cover. We have notes online on your app. You can access them. Um, go to the back to see Amy and Tasha. If you want one of those workbooks, see Amy or Tasha. I don't know where they're at. They're not in here. But you know what? They're probably at the back trying to sell workbooks. That's probably where they're at. Um, but they'll, they have some back there, and we got plenty because um, you have to buy like 200 of them to get them published or something. So we got plenty for days. So get one. There's lots of information. It's going to be good. I'm telling you, it's going to be good, 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 good. Um, Ephesians chapter 4. Get ready, get set, let's go. Um, let's just pray right quick. Father, we come to you right now and we just ask you once again to speak to us. As we open the word of God, we open the bread of life, God. Make it come to life off, to life off the pages of the Bible, God. May it read revelations, revelation into our hearts, God, and just uh, illuminate us, God, and change us and just bring transformation into us, God. We love you and we honor you today in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're first, if you're visiting with us, let me bring you into the series a little bit. We're talking about this one word, free, and how to be free in the context of who God's called us to be. And so, what we're trying to do is tap in to the potential that's inside of you. God has placed so much potential inside of all, each and every one of you. He's put this potential inside of you, and God wants us to tap into that potential and use that the gifts and the potential outside of the church. Last week we talked a little bit about developing the gifts, how to, how to, how to develop them and get them to working, and we shed some light on how you approach the gifts. That's on YouTube. You can go back and listen to that sermon. Um, and I believe that every one of you are uniquely and perfectly designed. God has given every one of you a unique and perfect gift. He has placed inside of you um, to use and to operate in. But I also believe that everybody that calls themselves a believer in Jesus Christ has two gifts, and that's giving and serving. God puts those gifts inside of you right off. He uses those two gifts, giving and serving, I believe, to prove trustworthiness and faithfulness. So, so that's where you learn to be trustworthy in faithfulness, through giving and serving. It doesn't matter. It's giving of your time, giving of your money, and just serving, whether it's children's ministry, serving, just anywhere you can find a hole to serve. Um, you know, we have all kinds of ministry opportunities, but there's two or three specifically that we're really going to move into in the next couple of weeks, few weeks. And, and what I want you to do is if you have an app, if you have a church app, if you have an iPad, whatever, go to our church app and everybody go to the tab that says Sunday Experience. Everybody say Sunday Experience. You click on that tab and another screen will pop up and there's another little thing and it says sign up. Everybody say sign up. Click on that and there's a little form. It's just your first and last name. It's just your phone number. And then you can click these little boxes that says, I would like to serve in this capacity. And we've got to plug some holes. We've got to have some people um, for some ministries, especially hospitality, uh, um, the Wednesday night meal and stuff like that, because we're going to have some rotating groups that can help us with that. And it's a ministry uh, that we're fixing to get started up. So we need to plug some holes. We really need your help. Your help. It's not like we're, we're, we're sentencing you and putting a ball and chain on you. Uh, um, you know what I mean? We're just, we're just asking you one time a month, something like that. If you have a lot of people, it's once every six weeks or something like that. Just help us serve. Many hands make light the work. Amen? So help us in every area. We need, we need people to just to visitors, you know, doors, parking, just everything. There's, there's some holes and we're trying to get back to full strength. So if you're that person that wants to do more than you're currently doing right now, hats off to you. And I just want to say thank you ahead of time. But this week we're going to take everything in a different direction. 
We're talking about the gifts, gifts that are inside of you and the, the gifts that God has placed inside of you. But I want to take you on a little bit different direction. And I want to talk to you a little bit more about how you release your gifts into the workplace. Um, um, let me ask you a question. I know tomorrow's a holiday, but how many of you are going to go to work this week? Raise your hands. Don't be bashful. Or, I'm going to go to work. Raise your hand. All y'all are going to go to work. How many of you are going to go to college this week or go to classes or some online classes? Um, smile about it over there. You, you, high school, okay? So you're going to go to work. You're a student. You're a teenager or whatever. You're going to do something when you leave these doors. And what I want you to realize is that it, the number one mission field for most Christians, most believers, is in their workplace. That's the number one mission field. This is what the Bible calls the marketplace. And so a lot of times we don't necessarily take advantage of that because we don't realize or see the opportunities because there's a lot of people in the body of Christ inside the church that separate their work from the church. And they, they, a lot of people even act differently. <laughs> we're one way at work and we're one way at the church. One way at church and one way at work. We separate those two things. And God wants to make sure you understand that wherever you go, it doesn't matter if it's at work or the ball game or wherever, you're everywhere, you're a reflection of Jesus Christ in everything that you do. Amen? So your biggest mission field is where you spend most of your time. And most of you only spend at tops two hours, two and a half hours at church a week. And so where you spend your most of your time is your biggest mission field. Ephesians 4.11 says, now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. Okay, so there's gifts that he gives you, but there's also gifts that Christ gave to the church. These are the gifts that God specifically gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers. So let me just help you understand why he said that. These are the gifts that God placed inside the church for your benefit. Everybody say, this is for my benefit. It's God, it, this is called the fivefold ministry of the Lord. It's the fivefold ministry that, uh, 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 the gifts of the Spirit that God placed inside the church for a purpose. Now, most churches that are operating today usually operate from just one of those gifts, and it's from the pastor gift. That's it. But some are, some are a little bit more. Some, but, but right now, in, in America, right now, this Sunday today, 85%, did y'all know, 85% of, of the churches in America, not in Friona, 85% of the churches in America are, are less than 100 people today. That's a fact. That's a, that's a fact. Primarily because they only operate under the leadership of one pastor. That's it. And so um, when, it, when you see a church that starts to grow two or 300 or 500 or 600, 700, and, and then you even see thousands of people, even 10,000 and uh, that, what you're seeing is a manifestation of the fivefold ministry of the gifts that are taking place in that church. The, that, all five of those gifts are manifesting. So people are stepping into their roles and more people are doing things. This is where all five gifts are operating in the church. Most pastors operate in about two of those or those roles. Uh, maybe it's pastoring in the prophetic or maybe it's pastoring in evangelism, but most of them operate in about two of those gifts and most pastors by themselves can pastor up to about 200 people right in there. Beyond that, there's got to be more people operating in those gifts, but you'll never see a large church with just a pastor. Never. That'll never happen. Um, the other gifts have, so what happens is, you know, the pastor is usually the one who's caring for the sheep, but these other gifts have to manifest so that they can grow the sheep, so that they can tend to the sheep and make them grow. So it usually starts, usually in a larger church, the pastor will have, like I said, a gift of evangelism, the apostolic gift, prophetic gift, teaching gift, whatever. That's why a lot of people flock to bigger churches, because the the, the gifts, those fivefold ministries are manifesting. And so, but the purpose of the gift, listen, is not so that there's attention placed on one pastor, one celebrity, one, one name. You understand what I'm saying? A lot of people flock to churches because of a name, but that's not the reason that 
You're supposed to be going to church. Look what the Bible said. The Bible said Christ gave these gifts to the church. And as the responsibility of the pastors there, their responsibility is to equip. Everybody say equip. Equip God's people to do the work. Now everybody say work. And yeah, it got a little quieter when I said work. To do to build up the church in the body of Christ. Now, if you ask the average person, why do you go to church? The average person's not going to tell you that they're going to church to be equipped to do the work of the ministry. That's not what they're going to say. Oh, I go to church because I want to work. And nobody want to do that. Most people go to work church as an act of worship. They want to worship God. They want to learn about God. They want to learn, they want to learn to be better people. They want their children to be better people. But very few people come to church thinking about doing the work of the ministry because that's work. We separate work in the church. There are, you know, people are not thinking about work because Sunday's our day off, right? Amen. Sunday's a day off. And pastors, we only work one day a week. Sundays is it. That's all we work. That's it. And so we don't associate church with work. If you go to Israel today, if you go to Israel, it's backwards. In, in even it started out in the first church in the Bible, the initial phases of the church was when they met on the first day of work. Not on the Sabbath. They met on the first, their Sabbath day was the first day of work. If you go to Israel, they don't celebrate church on Sundays they, they, you, don't, you don't have a church service on Sunday in Israel. They have it on Saturdays. It's the first of the week. That's where we get the Seventh-day Adventist. That's where, uh, so Saturday was the Sabbath. But then until Jesus came along and the resurrection took place on Sunday, Jesus arose from the dead on Sunday, and, and so they wanted to distinguish the difference between Christianity and Judaism. That's why they switched to Sundays. So they started celebrating Christianity on Sundays. And so it would be like us. Can you imagine in our culture telling our all you know employees and all the employers saying, hey, you know, we're going to have a shift in thinking, and all of a sudden, you know what, we're going to start doing church on Monday. Can you imagine how that would go over to your boss? Hey, sorry, I can't make it to work today. I'm going to church today on Monday morning. Monday morning, we're going to church. We're going to celebrate. I'm going to go to church because that's the first day of the work work day because the Israelites they understood that the first day of the work was an offering they understood that when they first got when, when God you know when they gave God their first their first day of the week Monday when they gave first first day of the work week first of their money first of their time they understood that God would bless the rest and so the Bible says the people they would go to church to work it was work. They wanted to get equipped. They, they were getting equipped to do a job. Um, see, people, we, we, we are supposed to be going to church, listen to me, not to hear something, but to do something. Church is, to, it, it, church is not, was never for the purpose to hear something. It, it's to grow something. Whether you want know it or not, there is an expectation in all the churches, whether they teach this or not. When you hear something, there is an expectation to, for you to take what is imparted into you and do something with it. Actually do something. Do the work of the ministry. Then scripture goes on to explain this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So when you come into the church, you're being equipped to do the work. You're being matured. And we can measure up to the full standard. The Bible goes on to say, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown by every wave of new teaching, every wave of doctrine. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so cleverly that they sound like the truth. Um, there's a lot of that going on right now and today. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way and more like Christ, who is the head of the body of the church who makes the whole body, everybody say the whole body. The whole body is you, that's us, that's all of us. Christ makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. We talked about that two weeks ago. Every one of you has your own unique special work that you are called to do. It helps the other parts of the body grow so that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of life. The question we asked last week, and I'm going to ask it again, what is your special work? 
Have you even discovered what your special work is? Because I said this last week, a lot of times we won't discover our special work until first God works out trustworthiness through serving and giving. He has to work that out in us. He had to work that out into me before he revealed to me my special work. And I'm going to talk a lot about that. Many times we spend way too much in our early years, Christian years, wandering and wandering, wandering around, wondering what we're called to do, wondering what we're supposed to do. Uh, we're wandering instead of discovering that the work that God has for us. And I was, you know, I've been praying about this for two or three weeks. There is so much potential sitting inside of this church. There is so much potential. Every single one of you, from the youngest to the oldest, those of you that are watching online, there is so much potential. And what if we all discovered, every one of us, our very unique special work that God called us to do? How powerful would the church be outside of these walls if we were all? How much would the church grow if the fivefold ministry just to start started manifesting in this church and people started uh, stepping into their calling? And, and see, so a lot of times... I know, I know that there's some specific ones of you, and I can even go out and I could talk to you today and I could put my finger on you and say, you're called to do this, but I can't. Then you'll think that I called you. You have to discover what God has called you to do. God's already revealed to me some things about some people in here that you're, some, you're, you're, you're not operating where God has called you to do. You're not, you're not in that gifting. You're not operating in that gifting. And, and God's waiting for that to manifest. We're waiting for that to manifest, and it's going to happen. Uh, if, what if everyone understood their special work? And I'll just, let me just speak to you right now. I, I did this in the first service, and let me, let me just, because let me ease some of your minds, and let me speak to you from, like, from, a, from a perspective of a spiritual father this morning. And maybe you've never heard this from your father. I, I never really heard this from my spiritual, my, my earthly father, um, but I wanted you to listen to me and hear this from my heart today, that um, I believe today can be a new start for many of you, if you'll just hear this. You have to stop thinking about your failures and your mistakes from the past. You have to stop thinking about those things. Your, this is what I want you to hear me say. Your past does not define who you are. If my past defined who, me, who I was, I would not stand up here today. Your past cannot define you. You're not defined. You are defined by Jesus Christ who lives inside of you. He has a unique and special work for you. If you let your past, if you carry that past with you all the time, you're never going to walk in your gifting. If you're going to walk in that, the Bible says if you're a born again believer, you are, the Bible calls you a new creation. And then the Bible says all things in the past are gone. All those mistakes, all those failures, all those wrong turns in life. If you're a new creation, those things are gone. Everybody say gone. They are gone. No longer, uh, God no longer sees you through the lens of your failures and through the lens of your past. Uh, um, God doesn't see you that way. God sees you through the lens of the blood of Jesus Christ and the work on the cross and the work at Calvary. God sees you through the blood of Jesus and through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You are made righteous and right standing through the blood of Jesus Christ. You are not defined by your past. Somebody say amen. So don't carry your past with you or you're never going to operate in your gift. You've been chosen out of darkness to walk in the light, to express Jesus to the world. That's who God's called every one of us to be. Here's what I, I believe the Lord is saying. Some of you, you may be following God, but you don't know what your gifts are. And I understand that because I was here. But it's time to start discovering them. It's time to start peeling back the layers from them. It's time to start walking and letting those gifts manifest. If you start putting God first in your life, I promise you, God is going to open your eyes, and he's going to open up some understanding, and he's going to begin to reveal what it is you're called to do. But you've got to put God first in your life. You've got to put God first in your every, every aspect of your life. And he'll open your ears to hear, and he'll open your spirit to what he's saying. And, and, and by the end of the year, you're going to recognize that you're not the same person that you are right here in September. You're, by the end of the year, you're going to realize, man, God really has brought me a long ways in just three or four little few months. If you'll surrender to him every area of your life. 
And God's telling me to tell all of you, not just one of you, but every one of you, this is a new season. This is a new beginning for the church and for everybody that's connected to the church. This is a new season. Uh, how we've done church, all you know, God's, God's messed all that up. He's taken that down. He's put that to the side. He's wanting a new season for the church, not just this church, churches across America, people watching online. He's, he's getting ready to launch a new season and what the church and, and what the church looks like in the future. He's getting ready to do that, and, if you'll, and he's going to do it through you if you'll allow him to work through you. That being said, all of that being said, I believe you need to understand how your workplace plays a role into this. I don't care if you're a business owner. I don't care if you, if you just sell burritos. I, I don't care what you're doing. God has a purpose for you. And, and so I want you to realize that most of what happened in the days of Jesus Everything Jesus did, the majority of it happened in the workplace. I did, I, I did a study. I looked at the numbers, kind of did some research, and, and you can just Google this stuff, and you can start looking at statistics. But I, I found out that in the workplace, I found out that Jesus did 312 public appearances in the Bible. 312 public appearances in the New Testament that they talked about. 122 of those appearances were in the marketplace, not in the supermarket, but in the walk marketplace, maybe grocery store, the places of work, the schools, the hallways of the schools, the, the doctor's offices, the waiting rooms. The 122 of those appearances were in the marketplace. One-third of the appearances, so that means one-third of his appearances were in the marketplace. Watch this. 52 parables that Jesus told in the New Testament, 45 of those were in the context of the workplace, on the job place, on the job, on the time clock. 40 divine interventions, the miracles, all the different things, 40, just in the book of Acts, 40 divine interventions, and 39 of those were in the marketplace. So Jesus spent the majority of his life as a, mature, a carpenter. If you remember, he worked for 30 years, and his ministry was how long? Three years. That means the majority of his life was spent serving, working, being a man of character on the job and doing things and working honest day wages for an honest day's work. When Jesus started his ministry, he then called 12 disciples. Did he call, did he call the pastors? Did he call the leaders? Did he call the religious elite? No, he called 12 men who were ordinary workers, tax collectors, fishermen, and he Developed those guys, and they changed the world. They turned the world upside down. 99% of the church, the people in the church, 99% of them spend half of their waking hours working in the marketplace. That's you, that's me. In other words, you're awake. You're awake. Some of you are not even awake right now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I always have to throw those. You're awake two-thirds of the day. You're awake two-thirds of the day. You spend a third of your day sleeping, you're awake two-thirds of the day. One-third of that day, you're working. One-third of that time, you're working. I don't know what you're doing with the other third of your time. I really don't. Some of you are on social media for one-third of your time of that day. That means the primary ministry place that we have in our life, our ministry on earth, starts in the workplace. You're only in church maybe two and a half hours a week. That's not where you spend the majority of your time. The majority of your time is spent in the workplace. The job place for most of you right now is your place of ministry. And I want you to understand that. Your job is your ministry. A lot of people, when they come to church, they don't understand that when they go out into the marketplace, you're supposed to carry what you get inside of the church. You're supposed to carry it outside and take it into the job place and be a reflection of who Christ is. You're supposed to impact the world and change the world around you. Listen, we don't change Freona inside of this building. We don't change Freona inside of these four walls. You change Freona. You change your community. You change your job places. You change your all that. The marketplace changes when we take what we get in here outside into the world. So I believe when you go out this week, maybe you're going to have a fresh perspective and God's going to use you in opportunities that you've never seen. And you're going to see people around you and you're going to say, you know what? I'm a representative to them. I'm a representative of Jesus Christ. Many people around you, you know who they are. They're unsaved. You work with them. They're unsaved. They don't know Jesus. They don't, they don't, they don't, they, they're, they just, they don't have any hope. 
And you're going to have the opportunity to lead them to Jesus this week. I really believe that. If you don't but if you don't understand how to cooperate with Jesus, with the gifts of God, and the anointing of God in the mar marketplace, you're not going to be effective. So you've got to understand what I'm giving you here today. Billy Graham said this right before he died. A lot of you know who Billy Graham is, and he said this, and I quote him. He said, I believe the next move of God is going to be through the believers in the marketplace. It's not going to happen in a church. It's going to happen in the marketplace. Communities are going to be changed. Schools are going to be changed. Places are going to be changed. And it's going to happen because the church people go out into the marketplace. Listen to the words of the Bible. Um, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 Jesus is talking to you. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He said, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? In other words, how shall the earth be seasoned? How shall the job places be seasoned? It's then no good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light unto all who are in the house. Let your light show shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify in your Father in heaven. Now, for illustration purposes, let me read that again, and let me put your world into it. Let me put some words in there. I'm not going to change the meaning. I just want you to hear it in a, different, in a different way. Watch. Let me read this. You are the salt of your workplace. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall your workplace be seasoned? It's good for nothing to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of your job. A city that's set on a hill cannot be, cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a lampstand, and it gives light to all the employees that you work with on the job. Let your light shine in your career and in your job that they may see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven. So everybody say, all right, I get this. Everybody say that. Pastor, how do I do it? How do I do this? How am I going to take the gospel of Jesus into the marketplace? Okay, I'm not necessarily going to tell you what to say. I'm going to tell you what to do. Because actions speak louder than... So that's what I'm going to teach you. Some people have different ideas on how to take the gospel into the marketplace. This may work for you. It may not. I mean, some people, they go to work, and they set up their Jesus shrines. Y'all ever seen those people at work? They got their little cubicle, and they got all the Jesus pictures, and they got all the turn or burn statements on all the bulletin boards, and they, they leave tracks in the bathrooms and at the water fountain and on the coffee table, and they, they do all them things, and, and, and then they wear the Jesus shirts and everything. And listen, if that works, keep doing it. If that works in your workplace, that works for you, keep doing it. There's nothing wrong with it. I've never really seen it work. You know, it's, it's a lot of times it turns people off, uh, um, you know, but I'm not sure. When it says you are the light of the world, what it's really talking about is what's on in the inside of you. What's on the inside of you? Because there's something about you inside of you that makes people see Jesus. People don't necessarily see Jesus by the stuff on your desk. They don't necessarily see Jesus by the stickers and the bumper stickers on your car. They don't, you know, you're, you're, you're cutting people off and you got I love Jesus on your bumper and you're, you know, they don't necessarily see Jesus by the things in your car or by the music you even listen to. Uh, I know a lot of people that are unsaved that listen to Air One. So, it's, on, it's what's on the inside of you, the salt and the light of the earth. That's what people see. That's what brings flavor into the world. And so there's three types of people on the work on, at the job. Let me define those real quick, and then I'm going to give you some tools, and then we'll be out of here. Three people at the job place. Number one, there's profit-driven workers. Profit-driven workers. I was there. I've done this. I used to be a profit-driven worker. There are these guys that work solely for the paycheck, solely for the bottom line. We're here for the money. Just pay me for my time. More money, more money. I don't care if it's my purpose. I don't care if I'm called to do this. I'm just here to make money. Show me the money. I want to make money. Make me money. Make me money. I'm consumed with money. Money's it. In essence, money is what drives them. Money's what motivates them to get up and go to work. They're consumed with money. That's the first kind of person. The second kind of person is a pleasure-driven worker. Pleasure-driven worker. 
You may know some of these guys. You may be one of them. Some of these people are, you know, they're not really cared about the money per se. They know they got to make a living and they know they got to pay bills, but um, the bottom line is not necessarily what drives them. They go to work primarily for the goal of just making enough money to pay the bills and have fun. And these type of people, they work for the weekends. You know, that song, Working for the Weekend. They, 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 they're, they're grinding from Monday to Friday. But when Friday evening and the bell rings at Friday evening, man, they're off to the races. Spin, 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 have a good time. And then they spend everything they got. And then Sunday at night, they're tired and they're wore out Sunday at night. And they get up Monday and they grind to Friday again. How many of you know somebody like that? Y'all know somebody like that? <laughs> and they grind, and then Friday comes, and the cycle starts all over. They don't have any savings. They don't have any 401K. They just live for the moment. We're just having a good time. I used to be one of these workers, too. I used to be one of these guys. Then there's a purpose-driven worker. Purpose-driven workers understand that their work is their calling, their work is their ministry. This is part of ministry in life. They live for a higher vision. They live for a higher vision. It's more than profit. It's more than pleasure. They work. They look at their job as a place to grow and a place to excel and a place to learn more. They view their work as a place of influence. This is a place that they can affect the world around them. And they understand that work is an expression of Christ that's inside of them. And so my goal is today is to get everyone to help you turn the page and become a purpose-driven worker in your workplaces. If I can do that, then you're going to change your workplace. You're going to begin to change the atmosphere in your workplace. If you're a purpose-driven worker, you will change the atmosphere. It may take some time, but you will change. I saw the changes in my secular job, I, I went through this whole process. Everything I'm about to say to you from this point on, I've lived. And I'm going to unfold that story for you. You might just say, well, I'm a low-level worker. I don't have any influence. You know, I just go in there and I don't see anybody. I don't talk to anybody. I just do my job. I just Listen to me carefully. If you learn how to cooperate with Jesus Christ in the workplace and with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you can change your workplace. You can change your workplace. I, I mean, I, I've heard some testimonies of guys in this church. Uh, they, there's one guy in particular, man, he just grinds. He don't see anybody. He don't talk to anybody. He's got quotas, and he just works, 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 works. And he's been elevated and promoted, and he hasn't said a word to anybody. But the, 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 the bosses see his work ethic. He shows up to work on time. He leaves. He doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't mess around. He just gets the job done, and he gets it done fast in a timely order. And he's been elevated, man, even in the last two years and through all this COVID, God's elevated him. And so it can happen if you cooperate with Jesus Christ. How can you be an influence? How can you excel? I'm going to give you these steps. I'm going to pro let you process this. Back in the early 90s, I got saved. I started my job place in the early, you know, right, I mean, like, like 1990, early 90s. It was as early as you can get in the 90s. And I started working, and I, through this process, in the middle of that, I got saved. I worked in the Marcus marketplace, so I got saved. And then it wasn't long after I got saved, I realized, you know, God really put a calling on my life. He radically changed my life, and he did a work in my life. And I, I knew I was called to the ministry. I knew I was called, but I still had a job. I still worked in the marketplace, and I worked in the marketplace long before I worked in the ministry, but I saw a lot of transformations in my life. So I started my career out as a profit-driven worker. Show me the money, show me the money. I worked overtime. I worked anytime. Just give me money. Give me the hours. Work, 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 work. Give me the hours. I don't care who, I, you know, I don't care about family. I just show me the money. I want to make money, make money, make money. And as long as I was making money, everything was good. Then about five years in this process, I got saved. Radically, God changed my life. And I knew he put a higher purpose on my life, a higher calling. But I had no idea what that looked like. But I started serving. I started serving in the church. That's the first thing I did. I went to my pastor's office, and I was crying. I said, hey, man, I feel like God's called me to the ministry. I feel like he's, I feel like he's got a higher calling for my life. And the pastor was like, all right, well, there's a broom, man. Start with cleaning the bathrooms. You know, we need help cleaning the bathrooms. I mean, I'm not saying that to imply anything. That's just what I was told. Get to work. Start serving. So I started serving. 
I started serving faithfully in the church, doing whatever I could find to do, and, and, and serving proves out faithfulness. And I, I knew I had to work to make ends meet and supply for my family. But I believe my workplace became a proving ground. God was working out this serving thing through me, working out some things in my life. I, he was a proving ground about how I handled money and how I handled people and how I handled time. And this was, my, this was my backside of the desert. This is where God groomed me for everything that I'm doing today was on the workplace. I didn't go to seminary. I didn't go to, the, go to places where they teach you how to be pastors and nothing like that. I, I really literally learned everything on the job place for 16 years. I learned how to be self-motivated. I learned how to be a self-starter. I learned how to work in an office by myself. I learned how to, how, to, how to move forward. I learned all those things working in the marketplace. And I'm working. I started to realize that, you know, hey, what? You know what? The workplace has some components to it. I started to realize when I got saved, after I got, if you do well, you're going to excel. How many of y'all know that? That's just a rule of thumb. If you do well in the job place, you're going to excel. And I want, to, I want to see all of you succeed, so watch, hear me out. How many of you want to succeed? How many of you want raises? How many of you want bonuses? How many of you want opportunities? None of y'all? A couple of y'all. Okay, yeah. <laughs> the first thing that the Lord showed me, and this is step one, write this down. You have got to make your workplace an offering of worship to God. Your workplace has got to be an offering of worship to God. That don't mean you go to the workplace and you put on the Christian music and just lose yourself and do all that. It, 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 hear me out. It, it's, in other words, you've got to see your work as an extension of your worship. Worship is not something to do. Worship is what's inside of you. Worship is not just limited to songs and lifting your hands in, a, in, in an hour on Sunday morning. Worship is extended outside of the church in how you handle your life in the workplace. Worship is expressed through integrity. Worship is expressed, expressed through character. Paul writes in Colossians 3.23, he said, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart. Check it out. As, as if you're working for the Lord, not for human masters. In other words, when you go to work, God's watching. People are watching. You're being watched when you go to work, when you go to school, when you go to the classrooms, when you take that test. If you're cheating or not, God's watching. Everybody's watching. Somebody's watching. You're not working to please man. You're working. Everything you do is to please God. If God is God going to be pleased with me at the end of the day? And when you're pleasing God, you, listen, when you're doing that, when you have that attitude, he will help you with those difficult circumstances. How many of you have been in those circumstances where you don't like the boss you're working for? You don't like the coworkers. You, don't like the, you just don't like the break room. You don't like the atmosphere. God will help you through those circumstances. God will help you through deal with those in ways that you will never believe it because you're not working for people. You're working for the Lord. You have a higher calling on your life. So when you go to the work week this week, look at it as a place of worship. When I got saved, I realized that I had a calling on my life, and I, what I expected after I had that conversation with my pastor, I expected the next day for God to snap his fingers and clap his hands and thunder to come in. I was going to give two weeks' notice, and I was going to be in the ministry. That's what I expected, literally. But it didn't happen that way. It didn't happen that way. We're talking 20 years I worked 10 more years right in there at, from in the job in the secular job market and then I went through another 10 years before I was ever set foot on a platform 20 years I became frustrated at my job. I became miserable. I started to despise my job because I didn't want to be there. I knew I was called for the ministry. You know, I get to work for myself. I get to go in the ministry. It's a cushy job, man. It's easy, fly easy, man. You know, just that's my perspective. If you remember, I talked about last week about serving and teaching and doing those things nobody wants to do, like working in children's ministry and working in the nursery, you know. One of those opportunities I got was to teach a class. Pastor said, hey, I want you to teach this class. And I'm like, all right, you know. And I, took, I taught this class, and it was six weeks, taught this class. I was miserable at my job. I didn't want to be there. Taught this class for six weeks. You know what? The, he gave me this book and said, teach this. You know what the title of the class was? You know what the, the, the workbook, you know what it said? Christians in the workplace. That's the class I taught. 
Christians in the workplace. And I don't know if anybody got anything out of that class, but God used those six weeks to change my life, to change my heart, and to change my perspective about how God convicted me about my attitude and how I, how I had my thought process about how I approached work and it began to change my thinking. Now all of a sudden I'm getting up early. I'm, ge- I'm going to be on time to work. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go up with an attitude. I'm not going to waste company time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best with my ability to work with integrity and work and, work and, and serve my employers. And, and in my prayer time, when I didn't go to work, I would pray on the way to work. I would worship and I would say, God, I'm dedicating this day to you. This is your place. I'm going to honor you in everything I do. I'm going to honor you with my time. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to respect my authority, and I'm just I'm going to I'm not working for man, God. I'm working for you. Although they're my bosses, I'm going to submit to their authority. And God, I know that you've given me this job. You've blessed me with this opportunity. So I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. And so I made work an act of worship. Paul writes in Romans 12:1. He says, "Here's what I want you to do." God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, and walking around and place it before God as an offering. Everything you do from the time you get up to the time you go to bed, it's an offering to God. If you take that approach, God's going to bless you and he's going to honor you. The second thing, you approach your work with a heart of servant, heart of a servant, a lot of times when people start working, they don't, they don't have a heart of a servant. They, they think of with the heart of, you owe me something. I've given you eight hours of my day. You owe me, you owe me, you owe me. And that's how I was in the beginning years. Paycheck, paycheck, give me the paycheck, show me the money. I didn't care about the employees. I didn't care about the, the growth of the company. I didn't care about the well-being of the company. Just show me the money. But I started, ha- I started, God charged transform me. I started approaching as a servant. If you remember in Matthew uh, 10, 12, Jesus called the disciples together and he said, um, you know that the rulers in the world lord over you, their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. And basically what that scripture is saying is in the, the typical way you see the workplace is there's always bosses and leaders and they're trying to hold their office and their leadership over you. You guys may have experienced this. But the Bible goes on to say, but among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be a servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become a slave. And even the Son of Man cannot be served, but you serve others and give. So what does this look like? Let me give you an illustration of the marketplace. This will ha- you'll have some fun with this. How many of you have ever been to McDonald's? Big Mac. With the special sauce. <laughs> okay, let me. T- many of you know McDonald's when it came onto the scene, they were the scene. They were the gold standard of fast food. They set the bar for fast food. Okay, now we know we know we have we have Chick Fil A, we have Taco Bell, we have Wendy's, we have all kinds of fast food now. But when go- when McDonald's came on the scene, they were the gold standard. All right, but. Um, and, and all their thing was, was double the profit. And they were doubling the profit of all the other fast food chains. They were in it to win it. They were in there to make money. They were in there for the bottom line. McDonald's had a great strategy. They made a lot of money. And then along came another company called Chick-fil-A. How many of you have been to Chick-fil-A? You had been to Chick-fil-A? We love Chick-fil-A, right? Um, McDonald's if you've ever been to a McDonald's and you've ever been to a Chick-fil-A, you know there's a huge gap between the way they serve in those restaurants. Can somebody say amen? There's a big difference, okay? So we all agree on that, and I'm not dissing McDonald's employees or dissing McDonald's. Please don't hear that. Both fast food chains, but one of them is owned by a Christian family, the Truett Cathy family, and they decided that, hey, we're going to do things different by the way we serve people. That's their main thing. We're going to serve people. It's right out of the Bible. They took this scripture out of the Bible and, and, and said, we're going, to, we're going to serve people. So, I mean, come on. It's, it's a chicken sandwich between, it's a piece of chicken between two pieces of bread with a pickle. There's nothing special about that thing. But it's the way they give it to you that makes it taste so good. It serves you. And you're just like pleasant. And you just eat it and it's good. And you say, I want another one. And, and so everybody serves chicken, but Chick-fil-A is doing it differently. 
And, and so the owners and the founders of McDonald's, they just want to make money. Chick-fil-A wants to make money, but serving people is not necessarily the top core value of McDonald's. Okay, they're just, you're lucky if you get the food there. You know what I mean? Sometimes you got to go behind the counter and get it yourself. I've been there. <laughs> Can I get those fries where they get cold? And so, but they, you know, if you, like I said, don't take this wrongly, but generally speaking, they don't train people at McDonald's to serve people. They train people to get the job done quickly. And sometimes that's even questionable. Quickly is questionable. And so they just, I know people, I know some owners of McDonald's. Sometimes they're just lucky to have workers there, literally. And it's really hard in the fast food industry to get workers. And, and so, but Chick-fil-A is a different story. If you go into a Chick-fil-A, if you go inside, there is a, there's workers everywhere. They got so many workers, they, they run into each other behind the counters. I mean, they're doing things. They're grabbing sandwiches. They're slinging them. There's workers everywhere. They're crowded. And, but the unique thing about Chick-fil-A, and you guys know this, that when you, like when you go through their drive-thru, you go through their drive-thru and there's people lined up and they're all, this is what I like about them. They're all, if you look at them, they're all clean cut. They all got the same clothes clothes on. There, there's, not, there's not shirt tails hanging out. There's not pants drooping. There's not, they, you know, they don't look, they're all, they all look the same. They're all well-mannered. They're all standing straight and they're taking your orders and, and they, they got their little iPads and they're scanning and, and, and they're walking with the car and man, you don't have to wait on anything. They're doing anything. And a lot of times they got your order, they got your card scanned, they've got your receipt and they've got your food before you ever even get to the window. I mean, you know, sometimes at McDonald's, you got to go to the first window, you got to make your order, you got to go to the first window, pay, you got to go to the second window to get your order, and then you got to go to the third window to change your order and get it right. <laughs> I'm, I'm, just, I'm just going off experience. So, two different philosophies. The goal is to make sure, Chick fil A's goal is to make sure you get served and the job gets done right. If you go inside, it's even a better experience. I mean, you get your take two drinks out of your drink, and somebody's going to come by and say, "May I refill that for you, sir?" And, you know, and I mean, they're constantly like, "No, it's good. Just let me drink." Just you know, I mean, do you ever see McDonald's do that? How many of you know how? What do you got to do to get a refill at McDonald's? Get up and go do it yourself, right? But they'll clean your table. I mean, when you pick up your sandwich, they'll clean your table under you, you know, and then you'll put your sandwich back down and they're, they're just there to serve you. And then you guys all know this. Anytime you say thank you at Chick-fil-A, what, what do they say back to you? It is my pleasure. It is my pleasure. It is my pleasure. Chick-fil-A is there to serve you. McDonald's is the gold standard. $2 million a year. But check this out. Chick-fil-A over $4 million a year, and they're closed on Sundays. Now, let me ask you this. I said all this to say this. Do you go to work with a Chick-fil-A mentality or a McDonald's mentality? How do you go to work? How do you approach your work? If you took the Chick-fil-A mentality and worked everything as into the Lord... And you serve people, and you serve your bosses, and you serve your employers, and you serve your colleagues. And you treated your job as an extension of Christ and served people. I'm telling you something. People will take notice, and they will look at that, and you will be raised, and you will be elevated in everything you do. You will be blessed. This is how you get promotions. This is how you begin to grow in companies, because you outshine the rest of the people around you. And, and, and pe bosses notice this. If there's some employer. I know there's some employers and bosses and business owners in here. They notice those things. You notice those qualities in an employee. And that's what happened. I, when I shifted my attitude in my job, and I started, listen, I started enjoying my job more. I started, I started being, I started serving. And listen, I started seeing my salary grow. Raises started coming in. All because I had an attitude that I'm going to serve. No matter what I do, it doesn't matter if I'm at the church or if I'm at job, I'm going to serve. I'm going to serve my family. I'm telling you, God had to work this serving thing out in me before he elevated me to my next gift. And then number three, you got to go to your job with the character of Jesus. When you, when you're, when you're work your job with the character of Jesus. And this is going to be a tough one for some of you. Many people go to the work and they don't understand this. They don't understand that, I mean, you know, people are watching you. People in the break room, your coworkers, they're watching you. 
Even if you're a boss, your employees are watching you. Everybody, there's somebody watching you. People start to watch. When you, when you say, I'm a Christian, I go to church. When you say that, scrutiny's coming. You're going to be, you're going to be, they're going to, they're going to look at you. People are going to watch every step you take, and they're going to watch every word that comes out of your mouth. So you got to ask yourself, are you one of those people that gossips at work? Do you talk about the boss? Do you trash your other employees, the other employers, your colleagues? Do you trash them? Do you, are you one of those guys that when nobody's looking, do you lay your head down on the, on the desk and take you about a 30-minute nap, you know, and, and take a snooze and, and, and I, I did it. I was studying this and looked at all the studies, and they did an interesting study about social media, and they found out this, um, that social media is now costing companies in America $650 billion a year in lost work. That's because people are using, they're on the clock, and they're on social media while they're on the clock. They say that the average worker that has a computer in front of them or an iPhone in front of them spends 20% of their work day on social media instead of working. And I want you to understand something. If you're a Christian and this is your approach, that's stealing from the workplace. That's stealing. That's a dishonest worker. You're not clocking in and clocking out. You're, that's being dishonest. And listen, God will not bless that. You may get away with it, and it may be fine, and your boss may even say, that's fine. You know, but you're, you're not honoring God. That's cheating. And I know that's in the simplest form. I told him this morning, I, and I'll even say who it is, J.W. Hamby. Some of you all know the Hamby Plows. Hamby Farm Implements. J.W. Hamby used to say this, he, and, and my boss said it, that if you go to work, and you put a wrench in your pocket, and you actually put a wrench in your pocket, and you go home, that's okay, we'll get another one. But if you look around and put the wrench in your pocket and then go home, he used to say, that's stealing, and you're going to hell. That's what he used to tell his employees, and, and, and that's true. I mean, when, you, when you're, that, those little things, God's watching those little things, how you, do, how you spend your time, how you use resources, all of that thing You'll get tested in a lot of different places, a lot of different ways on the workplace, in the workplace. You can change your workplace. You don't, even, you don't have to say a word at your workplace. Everything is done through your actions. Everything is done through your actions. People, people will tell rank jokes to see if you're going to laugh and you're going to partake. They'll do it on purpose. People will push your buttons to make you mad to see if you're going to snap and, and walk in anger and lose your control and lose your temper to see if you're going to be controlled by anger. They'll do that on purpose on the workplace. You'll be tested. Um, I'll tell this story, too. I told this story. So you can fast forward all the way to Freeland. I went to the bank one time to deposit some cash and get some cash back, and it was for a company. It was for a need. And so I went to the bank, went through all that process, got the cash back. This was my first year. Um, I'm getting ahead of myself, but, but the bank made a mistake and they gave me twice the amount of cash that they were supposed to give me back. And, and I looked at it and I said, hey, I got some extra cash here. I'm not supposed to have this. Turned around, went back to the bank and, and I said, hey, this is a mistake. You know, here's the cat. You gave me too much cash. I, the bank made a mistake. I could have put that in my pocket and I don't know anything about it. Could have denied it. It happens all the times at banks maybe, yeah. I could have done that. Got, you got your half, I got my half, I got me a little extra, a little something, something. But I went back, made it right, said, hey, there was a mistake. And I'm not kidding. The girl said, without flinching, said, thank you for being honest, Pastor. That was right here in Fiona, Texas, my first year on the job. And they don't live here no more, so don't try to figure out who it is. They're, they're, but it was a young lady. I'll never forget that. And it happened right here. Uh, listen, many marriages are destroyed at the coffee pot at the workplace because it starts out with a little flirting. Then the next thing you know, you're on social media. The next thing you're, you're connecting. You're having a, next thing you know, you're having lunch with a lady that is outside the boundaries of your marriage. You're a married person and you're having lunch with another somebody of the opposite sex. And marriages are destroyed like that. People are watching what you do on the workplace. Scripture says when you, when you have youthful lust and they start to rise in you, you need to flee from them. Get out of those situations. Don't trust your flesh in those situations where you're being tempted. 
How many opportunities do we have every day to impact the people around us on the job place? And we don't have to say a word. If we would just have character, if we would just yield ourselves to the ways, not yield ourselves to the ways of the world, but yield to the Bible, yield to what God's trying to show us and reflect Jesus Christ, we wouldn't have to say a word. We would change our workplaces with just our actions. The world is starving for people of character. How many of you know that? And yet so many Christians, they don't represent Jesus Christ in their workplace. They show up late for work, they waste their time, they're on social media, they're stealing time, they're stealing this, they talk about their bosses, they have bad attitudes, but I go to church, I love Jesus. (laughs) If you could just harness your character a little bit, that's what the salt and light is, it's what's on the inside, and reflect that into the workplace, it'll set you apart, and it'll change your, your environment, it will. So finally, the fourth thing, and I'm going to wind down. I'm going to get done. Always work to improve your skills. Always imp- work to improve your skills. When I was in the marketplace, I was always, when I, when I was in my job, when I changed my mentality, when I started serving and I started approaching my work different, I started, I started studying. I started doing anything I could to improve myself. I started going to seminars. I started, you know, I would, you know, hey, and I just started self teaching myself a lot of different things, a lot of different avenues, uh, um, uh, you know, just studying and learning and so many things. And, and, and this, this one particular year, I saw a $5 an hour raise just because of my attitude and my approach. And, and they told me, said, you're irreplaceable. We couldn't, if we had to hire somebody, we could, you know too much. And I'm not putting myself on a pedestal. I'm just telling you that was my approach. Learn, 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 learn. Let's use this. If I've got to go to work, I might as well learn. I might as well expand my knowledge. I might as well get all the knowledge I can. I'm, I'm benefiting the company, but I'm benefiting myself too. I want to be marketable. If, I've, if this company shuts down, I want to be rehirable. I want company, other companies to be able to rehire me and hire me. And You know what I mean? I want to expand my knowledge. I want to be worth something. And even now in the ministry, I... I I go to try to improve my skills, go to leadership, go to conferences, go to these things to try to expand my abilities and and equip myself. If you're going to grow an organization, whether it's a business or a church, if you're going to grow in that organization or grow the organization, you have to strive to be a better leader. You have to, you have to, even if you're the boss, you're the head guy, man, you're, you have to strive to be a better leader. You will never develop, if you never develop your skills, you're never going to grow. I I don't even, I don't care if it's, you're just selling burritos, man. Become the best burrito salesman there is. Know your product, know the fold, know how to fold them, know how to put the right amounts of stuff on there, know how, know all that, know how to wrap it, know how to serve it hot. Do, be the best employee that you can be. And serve people and take that approach. And, and then God will, I mean, I promise you, you will grow. And it's a never-ending thing. Old dogs can do new, learn, learn new tricks. You're always growing. You're always, no matter how old you are, you're always growing. Let me ask you the, this question, and then we'll, we'll start to close this thing down. In your job, are you honoring your skills? Are you trying to grow yourself? Are you trying to learn? Are you just going to work? Going to work, eight to five, get out of there. Let's just shut it down. I'm done. Or are you trying to approach this as being the best that you can be? Know your product. Know the product you're selling. Know how to market what you're doing. Be the best engineer. Be the best nurse. Be the best truck driver. Be the best teacher, whatever it is, whatever you're doing, be the best at it that you can be. The one who grows their skills are the ones who are going to get promoted. And it's amazing how a lot of people will come to the end of the year when it's time to give raises and time to give bonuses. And nothing's, nothing's changed in their work habits. They've stayed the same. They haven't improved. They haven't done anything. And yet they expect a raise. Money, money, money. Show me the money. I think about Daniel all the time because the Bible says the king noticed Daniel, how he operated in excellence. Daniel operated in excellence. Everything he did was in excellence. He had the spirit of excellence. 
What about you? Do you function with excellence? Do you function with excellence? The difference between being an employee and being a really good employee is whether they picked up the beer can in the parking lot or not. Because employees will just walk over and leave it there and they'll kick it to the side. But a really good employee will bend over and pick it up and put it in the trash can. Because they value the company and they value the reputation and the look of the company. That's, that's it in a nutshell. And that may mean going back to school for you. That may mean reading some books, whatever it is. Grow in your skills. Grow in your skills. If you guys want to come, I'll, I'll quit I don't know why them coming makes me quick, quick sooner, but it does. Let me read you one last proverb, and then I'm done. It says, a poor man can have all the wisdom in the world, but his words are never heard. So in other words, no one listens to a person that can't seem to live a life of good character, especially at the workplace. You can know a lot of stuff, how I many you know that person at your job place that knows that's a know-it-all? Anybody know a person like that? They just know it all. They just irritate you. They just know it all. They got the answers to everything. But if they're not a man of man or a woman of good character, nobody's going to listen to them. That's what this proverb's saying. If you want to have an impact, if you want to excel, be a man or woman of of character and integrity. Christians should be the most excellent people in the workplace. Christians should be the most excellent people in the hallways of the schools, in the classrooms. Christians should be the most excellent people in the, in the break rooms. Christians should be the most excellent people everywhere they go. Because we have Jesus Christ living inside of us. And, and, but, and all your other coworkers, they don't necessarily have that. So that gives you an advantage so it's how you approach things. I'm telling you, God wants to bring you up. He wants to elevate you. And he wants to stretch you. But you got to go after, listen, you got to go after something that demands things of you. You got to be in a place where you can grow. Stand with me all over this place. I want to pray for you.